We'd like to welcome everybody that's joining us for our live stream today. Uh, this is just one part of our service here at City Temple. If you'd like to join the whole thing uh, to get the Zoom details, just drop us an email at info at city-temple.com or you can come down and join us in person at City Temple here in central London. If you have your Bible with you, let's turn to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray now, Father, that by your word, you would just speak to us and show us our world around us to the glory and honor of Jesus. And let your spirit rest on me to bring your word to your people uh, and even to announce your word into the heavenly places to the glory of Jesus. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, I have to tell you, if you haven't noticed, that I am deeply vexed in my spirit. And that's an interesting word, that vexed. Uh, it's not something that I use uh, often and not something that I use lightly. Uh, for me, uh, I, I'm always opposed to war, obviously. I think any kind of violence, any kind of bloodshed is cause for sadness and for weeping and mourning. We've seen that. We've seen that across our world. We've seen that throughout the Middle East, uh, and we can list all the places. But for me, uh, over the last 20 years, the, there's just been a limited number of things that have genuinely vexed me this deeply. One has been North Korea particularly the Kim regime in North Korea. Uh, they've set themselves up as gods to be worshipped by their people, and yet, unlike the true and living God, they mistreat their people uh, tremendously. Another is Myanmar. I remember when I woke up from my coma uh, a year ago and, and people told me that there had been a coup in Myanmar, I thought they were joking with me. And when I found out it was true, I was so vexed in my spirit and angry. Uh, it was just lucky for the regime that I couldn't get up out of the bed yet uh, because I was pretty upset. Uh, and then the last has been this week with Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. Uh, yeah, I am angry 
And I think that the anger that I feel is not just my own anger. I think it's some of the anger of the Lord and the anger that the Lord feels in this time. Not that I'm the Lord, but I know a number of prophetic people around the world that has felt this level of anger. Now, I need to be accountable and make a clarification of something I said two weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, I made an offhand comment that I thought the Lord had told me that he wasn't going to invade, that Putin wasn't going to invade Ukraine. And uh, you can imagine my consternation when he did. Uh, and so I went back to see what the Lord had actually said. Now, that's a key thing. Uh, when, and that's one of the reasons why, if you're prophetic, you always write down what the Lord said. Because when I went back to see what the Lord told me on the 4th of January, I realized that he said that Putin wouldn't attack Ukraine. And I realized, too, that what the Lord was talking about was a time-bound word. In other words, everybody at that time said uh, Putin's attack was imminent, and the Lord was saying, no, he's not. Uh, he's not going to attack Ukraine now, not that he wasn't going to attack Ukraine. Because on the 30th of December, uh, I felt like the Lord said in a very intense prayer time, uh, said this, and I'll quote uh, this time. I felt the Lord said, Russia is a buzzing, stinging wasp. By the way, that goes along with a word that Ike Lawrence had, if you're watching Ike, uh, a few weeks ago about uh, Russia being like a bunch of, he thought it was stinging bees, but here in the UK, bees and wasps look very similar, and I think he, what he saw was probably wasps, but it could have been bees. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'll go back. Russia is a buzzing, stinging wasp. It will cause pain and suffering, and suddenly Putin will be gone. End quote. And I'm believing that word because clearly it has caused pain and suffering, but the pain and suffering caused is clearly not pain and suffering caused by the Russian people. It's pain and suffering caused by the autocrat and uh, perhaps psychopath Vladimir Putin. And I think the Lord is going to deal with that. It's very interesting to me that just two weeks ago, the word that I gave and the message I gave was called turmoil ahead. And I had no idea at the time how much turmoil and how quickly it would come. Remember, I said it was coming this year and it's going to be intense. And we need to understand this, this turmoil that's coming and is going to increase throughout this year. And I said that there's terrific turmoil and there's terrible turmoil. And what we're dealing with right now is terrible turmoil, uh, that the terrible turmoil going on in the Ukraine is going to affect all of us before it's all over. And we need to understand that, and we need to be ready for it, and the Lord has, has prepared us for this, because Putin's attack on Ukraine has unleashed tremendous, terrible turmoil, war, refugees, destruction, economic pain, and the list can go on and on and on and on. And so I think that not only do we have to have the confidence that the Lord has prepared us, and in the next, the next three sermons that I talk, uh, that I have, are on a different topic about God's favor on us. And that's important for us to understand it and believe it. 
But I think that we need to understand as Christians what is happening, why it is happening, understand it from a biblical framework so that we know what to do about it uh, so we can explain to others who talk to us about it and so that we can pray with intention and intensity until the Lord resolves the situation. And so I basically have three questions that I want to ask and answer today. The first question is, why does our world have such terrible turmoil? Now, we know about the Ukraine. We can see this in Myanmar, for example. We can see it in North Korea. We can see it in the way China treats the Uyghurs. We can see it all around our world today, this kind of terrible turmoil that is going on. And the question is, why does this happen? Why does this happen in our world? How can we understand it from a biblical context? Because a lot of people, all they want to do is blame God, right? They say, oh, yeah, well, if, you had, if God was really God, none of this would happen. And that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible actually tells us that this kind of turmoil will happen, even though God is God and God is on the throne. So why does it happen? I'm going to suggest three things here at the beginning for why it happens. First of all, it happens because the evil one is at work. Now, the evil one is also called Satan, also called the devil. There is a real devil. There is a real Satan. There is a real embodiment of evil, and he is working. Evil is present in our world right now. As 1 John 5.19 tells us, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world is under control of evil. And so we should not be surprised when evil pops up. And some people say, well, why is that? You know, I thought God was God. He is God. He is the sovereign Lord. But remember, God gave human beings stewardship over this world. And so the reason why the whole world lies in the power of the evil one is frankly, human sin is what empowers evil in this world. If there'd been ne never been any human sin, there would never have been evil. Satan would have been destroyed a long time ago. But our sinfulness actually empowers evil. It's like Paul says, Romans chapter 1, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who part practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. It's been an abomination to see how People who call the name Christian have supported Vladimir Putin. It's exactly what Paul says is going to happen. It's what Paul says is going on. Human sin allows evil in the world. Human unbelief in Jesus Christ allows evil in the world. Human pride and rebellion allows evil into this world. And so the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And so we need to understand, as believers in Jesus, 
that our primary battle in this world is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle against evil as evil is manifested in the world, but the primary battle is a spiritual battle against evil. Our battle right now is not with Vladimir Putin. Our battle right now is with the powers and principalities empowering Vladimir Putin and inspiring Vladimir Putin to do the evil that Vladimir Putin is doing. And we cannot forget that. It's like Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this happens because evil is at work in our world. It also happens because the Antichrist is at work in our world. Now, I, when I say this, I'm not talking about the end times person who is the embodiment of the Antichrist that we read about in the book of Revelation. But John tells us very clearly in 1 John chapter 2, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. There is an Antichrist spirit that is working in this world around us. In part is the denial that Jesus Christ really is God who has come in the flesh to die on the cross and rise from the dead. And any denial of that is Antichrist by definition. But it's also the acceptance or the declaration that all religions or even no religion are equal and reveal God in some way. They do not. And to make that statement is Antichrist. It's Antichrist. It's also the insistence of people to live independently and individually instead of according to the way of Jesus as revealed in the Bible. Anytime that we say, hey, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, I'm going to live individually and independently. What did Jesus not do? He did not do that. He came to this earth to live as one of us, not individually, not independently, but identifying with us fully, bringing God with us to reveal God with us so that we could be with God, not individually, not independently, but in unity with one another and with Jesus Christ. Right now, Vladimir Putin, in his declaration of war against the Ukraine, what was he doing? He was doing it independently and individually. He made a show of it not being independent and individual, but everybody knows what we saw on TV was nothing more than a theatrical play and not a very funny one at all. And so whenever we see that independence and individualism, in that way, we can see the Antichrist spirit, and that's being empowered by individuals, even individuals all across the West right now, in our attitudes. And many people in Western nations who claim the name of Jesus actually are only following a Jesus that they've created in their own minds, and not the Jesus revealed in the Bible. And as long as that Antichrist is working in our world, it permits terrible turmoil 
to occur. We also see terrible turmoil in our world because the sons of disobedience are at work. Not only is the evil one at work and the Antichrist at work, but also the sons of disobedience are at work. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 2, starting with verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. He's talking to Christians there. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. The prince of the power of the air is Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He goes on in, in chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these sins, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, not a lot of people see this, but I think it is a key thing for us to understand that right now there are people in the world who the Bible would call sons of disobedience. These are the opposite of sons of God. You know, if you're in Christ Jesus, you're a saint. You are a son of God, even if you're a woman. We're sons of God. You know, and I always say, women, if you have a hard time with that, just remember that we're the bride of Christ, too. So, you know, if you have a hard time being a son of God, just imagine me in one of those white wedding dresses. So we are sons of God because we are filled with the Spirit of God. There are sons of disobedience who have been filled with the spirit of evil many times from their birth, from their conception, who are at work in this world right now. And some of them look pretty good, but they're not. The sons of disobedience, according to Paul, have been destined for destruction. You know, as Christians, we're destined for heaven. We're destined for eternal life, right? Sons of, of disobedience, by definition, are those who are destined for damnation eternally. And they're present in this world. Now, not every non-Christian is a son of disobedience, mind you. That's what Paul is saying here. Uh, maybe one day I'll do a longer lesson on that. But we need to understand that these sons of disobedience, they are destined for destruction, and so they will destroy everything they can destroy. And you see it happening. Putin didn't have to do this. He could have built up, but he's destroying. Kind of starts to show you who people might be. Now, we can't judge. Ultimately, only the Lord knows. But we can see some clues. Sons of disobedience are agents for the devil's will, but as Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians, they're often disguised as angels of light. So they don't always look bad, but they are bad. And the sons of disobedience are at work right now all around us in our society. Whenever you see the kind of thuggery and bullying 
that we've seen in places like the Twitter sphere or on social media, the attacking and humiliation of people, that's the activity of sons of disobedience. That's evil, wickedness, and that's akin to the same kind of thuggery that Putin is displaying right now. Wherever you see thuggery or bullying, wherever you see licentiousness, where people just live and party and hop from bed to bed to bed, wherever you see increased criminality, we often talk about Russia as a kleptocracy, and it's not that they steal from others. That's not the only place. Those kinds of things are pointing us toward the reality of these sons of disobedience. And because the sons of disobedience are working in this world, we will have times of terrible turmoil. We see it all around us. And we have to understand that these things, it's not uh, an issue of a bunch of basically decent people trying to do the best they can, which is true of most humans, I believe. It's an issue of people who are filled with a demonic spirit, seeking to rain as much destruction on human beings. And just as Jesus came and became one of us, these sons of disobedience try to become one of us, looking like us, think, making people think that they're nothing more than normal humans when they're not. So the second question that comes when you see this is where in the world, where is God amidst such terrible turmoil? We can understand a little bit about how it's happening, why it's there, but where is God right now? Well, as the scripture tells us, God right now is on his throne. God is on the throne. Psalm 5, whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live but he who pursues evil will die. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured an evil person will not go, whoops, I missed something here, will not go unpunished. Oh, I need to look up the text. Oh, sorry about that. I'm missing a whole section. Isn't that funny? Let's see, four. No, sorry, I missed, oh, that's not from Psalm 5. Uh, that's so weird. Okay, sorry. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. This is Psalm 5. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Goodness, sorry about that. God is on his throne. He is ruling and reigning. He is sovereign, and he will continue to be sovereign. And we can understand conclusively that God on his throne hates evil. God on his throne hates evil but evil shall not overcome him. Evil shall not defeat him. Turmoil is not greater than God. 
But we also need to understand that God has set his face against evil. God has set his face against evil. God has hardened himself toward evil. Psalm 34, 16. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the Lord says, and Putin will be no more, I believe it. As the text in Psalm 2 says, the Lord laughs at the wicked. The Lord holds them in derision. He holds the nations of the earth that think they can do their own thing and go their own way in ridicule because he is against them. And we need to understand as well that God has prepared a day of judgment. We do not yet see that day, but we can be confident that the day of judgment is coming. As Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 28, an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And then John, the apostle, he saw in the book of Revelation, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them. And I saw the dead, great and small. Whoa, that's a repeat there. Weird stuff. Sorry, apologies. Uh, okay. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. God has appointed a day of judgment. He is the sovereign Lord. He looks, he set his face against the wicked. He's appointed a day of judgment and God is bringing justice. It's not like he's going to wait until the end. Right now, he's bringing justice, but God is also wanting people to intercede for justice. He's wanting people to pray. Isaiah 59, 14 to 16. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. That's certainly what's happened there. And by the way, that's fulfilled in Ukraine. No, Ukraine gave up their nuclear weapons with the assurance that Russia would never attack them and they made themselves a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. And look, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. God wants us to pray. God wants us to intercede. But he also wants to, uh, us to understand that his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. Now, if we're going to intercede, how do we do that? Well, look at Psalm chapter 7. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up 
against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me, you have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it, return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, and may you establish the righteous. That's a great prayer to pray about Ukraine right now. You who test minds and hearts, O righteous God, my shield is with you, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignant every day. You know, we talk about God's love, and God certainly is a loving God. Otherwise, we'd all be consumed. But do you know, the Bible says every day God is indignant over the terrible turmoil and those who cause it. Every day God is wanting to bring justice. And every day God is looking for a people who will intercede for that justice. So, we know why terrible turmoil happens, at least some of it. We know now where God is in the midst of terrible turmoil. He's on his throne, yet right with us as well. How does God want us to respond? How do we as God's people respond to terrible turmoil, to the things going on in our world right now, not only in the Ukraine, not only in Myanmar, not only in North Korea, but also here in the United Kingdom. How do we respond? First, fret not, but have confidence in God. God does not want us to worry. God does not want us to be anxious. God does not want us to fret, but God wants us to have confidence. As Solomon said in Proverbs 24, 19 to 20, fret not yourself because of evildoers and be not envious of the wicked for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. So we fret not, but we have confidence in God. Secondly, God wants us to overcome evil in the power of God. We can overcome evil in the power of God. We don't have to be blind to it. We don't have to uh, just passively sit by while evil is going on in our world. By God's power, the power that lives in, within us right now in union with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God who is upon us, God wants us to be his agents for overcoming evil in God's power. How do we do that? Well, as Paul tells us, Romans 12, do not overcome by evil. Do not be overcome, excuse me, by evil, but overcome evil with good. If we want to overcome evil in the power of God, we do it first by doing good. We do good. There's going to be times when we have opportunities to support refugees. We need to do that. There's going to be time when we have opportunities to take action, not only with the Ukraine, but other things. And we need to do as much good whenever we get a chance, 
with every opportunity that the Lord gives us because as we do good, we overcome evil because the power of God lives in us. But we also need to keep ourselves with evil, from, keep ourselves from evil. John says in the first, last verse of 1 John, he says, uh, little children, keep yourselves from idols. But he could have just easily said, little children, keep yourselves from evil. We can't get involved with it if we're going to overcome it. And too often I have seen Christians and Christian organizations just pile in on the bandwagon of attacking and criticizing others, particularly other Christians. We simply cannot do that. We have to keep ourselves from evil. A third way, a third way that God wants us to respond is to seek God's wisdom, especially for how we deal with evil in the world. And God's wisdom is contained here in the Bible. And God gives us wisdom to apply that. It's like Solomon said, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 9 and following. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart. This is if you're seeking it. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Those are sons of disobedience. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. God's saying if we seek his wisdom, he will give us that wisdom for dealing with evil as we come to it. Then God is calling us to intercede. We need to pray with intensity and pray with passion about these situations. And frankly, sometimes our lack of prayer demonstrates our lack of faith. A lot of times people would say, oh, we can't be praying. We need to be out there doing stuff. We can't be praying. We need to be out there on the streets. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not an either-or either scenario. And some people make it out to be. But oftentimes when I hear people say, oh, we can't spend time praying. We got to get out on the streets. They're saying, well, we don't need God to do it. We need to do it. And I'm here to tell you, in terms of defeating evil, we don't do it. God has done it, and he's done it through his son, Jesus Christ. He's done it on the cross and in the empty tomb. And God has called us to pray and 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 pray until the walls come down. What won World War II for the United Kingdom. I guarantee you it was not our superior firepower. What enabled the United Kingdom to defeat the Luftwaffe in the Battle of Britain, the air war? I guarantee you it wasn't that we had more planes and better planes than Germans did. It's because we had people like Reese Howells and his fellow intercessors praying and praying and praying and praying, and the battle was shifted. A guy named Walter Wink, a theologian 
said about 40 years ago now, gosh, a long time, he said, history belongs to the intercessors. And that is what God is seeking. He's seeking people who will pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into the time of trial, but deliver us from evil. We need to be praying that for ourselves and also for every place around the world wherever God stirs our hearts. Psalm 140, verse 1, David's praying here. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. You can put a name to that verse today. They make their tongues sharp as a serpent's, and under their lips is the venom of asps. We need to be interceding. Lord, Lord, deliver Ukraine from evil men. Perverse men, uh, preserve them from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. Lord, deliver North Korea from evil men. Lord, deliver Myanmar from evil men. Lord, deliver Syria from evil men. Lord, deliver, and you put in there wherever you want, from evil men. That's how God is calling us to pray. And we can't pray any namby-pramby prayers here. We need to be aggressive, we need to be bold, and we need to get in God's face because God wants us there praying God's will, praying that God's kingdom will come and be manifested right now, this day in the Ukraine, as well as Moldova, as well as Poland, as well as all of Europe, as well as in Russia. We pray and we pray and we pray. And finally, how we respond is we trust God. We have to trust God. You know, I don't trust Boris Johnson. I certainly don't trust Joe Biden right now, or Emmanuel Macron, or Olaf Scholz, or you could fill in the blank. But you know, the one I do trust is Jesus, because he's the King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords. He's the one on the throne. He's the one who's defeated all the power of the devil. And he's the one who has taken me and taken you and seated us in the heavenly places alongside himself, far above all the wickedness and evil in this world, a place of influence. And so we have to trust him. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. If you've not done that, you need to do that today, not just a bit of it, but all of it. And you need to rest in and live from the sovereignty of God. I don't understand the fullness of what's happened in the Ukraine. I don't understand all that's going on. I certainly don't see everything in the spiritual realm. But I know God is sovereign. And I know that there is nothing Vladimir Putin can do to threaten the sovereignty of God. 
I wish I could say that in Russian. I could send him a copy. There is nothing he can do to threaten the sovereignty of God. And by the way, there's nothing the Ukrainian people can do to add to the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He is the Lord. He is the creator of the universe. And time is in his hand. And no number of Vladimir Putins can thwart God's plan and purposes for this world right now. We're going to see terrible turmoil in the months ahead. We are. It's not over. It's beginning. And it's going to be difficult at times. But at City Temple, we, by God's grace, are living in a season of God's favor. God's favor is on us, and God's favor is going to protect us during this terrible turmoil that lies ahead. And if we continue to pursue the Lord, he'll give us understanding. Promised there by John in 1 John 5.20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. This is God's presence upon us right now in this season. But this is not for our benefit. This is not so we can feel happy and healthy while the rest of the world goes to hell in a handbasket. This is not for our comfort. This is not for our convenience. This is not for our pleasure. The favor of God rests upon us now in this season so that we can use this season of favor to bless the city of London, to bless London, to bless the world around us in the power of God's Spirit to the glory of God's Jesus, to the glory of Jesus Christ. God has given us this season so that we can be mighty in prayer in the heavenly places. God has given us this season so that we can see things shift over humanity, so that we can beseech God for the outpouring of His Holy Spirit, so the seven and a half million people around us who don't know Jesus Christ will not be subject to and victims of the sons of disobedience that, are, that the enemy has planted all around us in this season, but that many of those seven and a half million people will come awake and see that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that Jesus loves us, and that Jesus has died so that we might live. This is the promise over us in this season ahead. There might be terrible turmoil ahead, but we have a tremendous God, and we are seated with Christ in those heavenly places. So let's boldly go before the throne of grace to plead on behalf of our world, to intercede until God's kingdom come, 
comes and his will is done. Let's pray. Father God, right now in this moment, we know that the terrible turmoil in our world right now is not because of you. That the terrible turmoil in our world right now is because evil is in our world. It's been empowered by our sinfulness. That the Antichrist is in our world. That sons of disobedience are in our world. And we thank you, Almighty God, that you have set your face against evil. You've set your face against the Antichrist. You've set your face against sons of disobedience. And now, Father God, I pray that you would demonstrate that. Demonstrate that in a mighty way that all the world can see. There are people who are ruling in nations such as Russia right now who have set themselves up as God, who have said that their way is the right way, who have claimed even to know you and your son Jesus Christ, but to act in ways that are more reflective of, of Satan, the evil one, of a son of disobedience and the Antichrist than they are of the true Jesus Christ. God, show the world now that you are on the throne. Show the world now that you are the King of Kings, that you are the Lord of Lords, that you are the czar, if you will, of all the universe, and that there is none like you. There is none that challenge you. There is none that threaten you. There is none on the throne but you. And no matter how much turmoil there is in the nations, you look upon them with derision and indignation, and you will have your way. Yes. Show us this right now, Lord God, that people might see that Jesus is not only the Lord of love, but he's the Lord of all. That Jesus is not only the king of our lives, but he is the king of kings. That Jesus has not only overcome the sin and evil in our lives individually, but Jesus has overcome the sin and evil in this world. Demonstrate the glory and majesty of your son Jesus Christ and no longer allow people to profane the name of Jesus, to conduct wars in the name of Jesus, to seek their own will in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace and your favor that rests upon us in this moment. Give us boldness, Lord. Give us boldness as we have conversations in our workplaces this week to share a little bit of the Christian perspective on what's happening. Give us boldness to remind people that you are still the sovereign Lord of the universe no matter what sinful, wicked human beings do. Give us wisdom in how to share Jesus and give us the wisdom that we need to live. Help us to overcome evil with good in every opportunity you give us. Help us not to fret one moment, but to have confidence in you.
Help us to trust you and help us to pray. Not only for the big situations like what's happening in Ukraine, but even for the situation in the lives of the people sitting next to us at work or sitting with us on the bus or the tube so that we might use the favor you've given us by your grace in this season to bless the world around us to the glory of Jesus. For we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's join in singing our closing song of worship.